The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I want to talk with you today about that good old way. Now, I'm not going to try to prove anything to you. I'm going to simply share what the scriptures say. And it's up to you to decide 
what you choose to do. But if I could tell you how to open a gateway, a spiritual gateway into your life that would allow God to come in and totally change your situation, would that interest you? Many years ago, I was on a field trip from a high school and I came to Washington, D.C. to a college. And when I walked on the campus, I, I got off the bus. I was a high school senior, just full of all kinds of myself. I walked onto that campus. But to walk onto that college campus, I had to go through an arching gateway. And above it was written, Gateway to Service. And as I walked onto that campus, through that gateway, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, you just walked through the gateway of service. And your service will be here in Washington, D.C. Now, I chose to go to that college, even though it was not the the best college I could have chosen. In fact, in many ways, it was less than what I would have desired. But I went to that college because I knew that God was calling me to Washington, D.C., and I was a country boy, and I needed to learn how to minister in this great city. I considered myself an ugly, uncouth farm boy. Well, all of that changed as I entered through that gateway. My question was, are you interested in giving God a gateway where he could enter into your life and begin to transform what happens in your life in very real terms? I'm going to share that gateway with you today. Please listen to the entirety of this broadcast. It will be well worth your time. For today's message will transform your life if you will but listen and act on what I'm sharing with you. Again, I'm not going to go through all the passages as a proof text. I'm going to talk about a spiritual principle. And if you will exercise this spiritual principle, your life will be transformed by God because it will provide an opening for God to step through. Some 19 times in the Old Testament, there is something referred to as first fruits. Now, I'll just quickly give you two passages of Scripture. Exodus twenty-three nineteen. Let me actually turn to it, and I'm going to read it for you. Exodus 23, verse 19. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. 
bring the best fruits of your soil, the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Now again, we find in Exodus 21, I'm going to read Exodus. Let's see, make sure I have it here. Exodus 34, verse 26. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Not just the first fruits, but the best of your first fruits to the house of the Lord your God. Now, in Exodus, we find the children of Israel have been brought out of the desert land. They've been brought out of Pharaoh's household. They've been delivered from slavery. And now God is going to begin to teach them principles, ways that will allow him to bless them as they enter into the promised Cana land. In other words, they're going to learn the ways of God. Now, sometimes we also call first fruits, in addition to being a special festival, we sometimes talk about it in terms of tithing. Now, what is tithing? Tithing is when I take 10% of what I receive as a paycheck or as I receive as a gift. 10%, the first 10%, belongs to God. Now, you remember he established that principle at the Passover, where after the Passover, he said, the eldest son, the eldest animal born, belongs to me. He established it again when they went to Jericho, the first great city in Canaanland. He said, all of Jericho belongs to me. Don't take the gold or the silver, the garments. Take nothing for yourself. Give it into the treasury of God. It belongs to me. So you have this principle established throughout the Old Testament. You remember when, after Abraham delivered Lot and his family and the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, when he delivered them from the five kings, and Melchizedek came out and met him, and he gave a tenth of all that he had gained to Melchizedek as a tithe. Now, I've heard all the arguments, and I've been swayed, frankly, in the past by some of those arguments. I'm not swayed any longer. Oh, that's Old Covenant. Well, Melchizedek was before. Jacob, committing 10% to the Lord, it's clear that God gave rules and regulations to Adam and Eve, and as they followed them, 
God bless them. Now, I grew up in a family where I was taught as a very young child to tithe. I was given 25 cents a week as my allowance. And so I would tithe that 25% or that, that, that 25 cents, I would tithe, but I would also give an offering out of it. So when my daddy would give me or my mother would give me that quarter, I would give a nickel of that quarter to Jesus. And so tithing was built into my system. It's built into my heart. Many of you have not had that benefit. And you don't realize that the tithe is literally the giving of the very best, the first fruit. Now, what happens when you give God the first fruit of all that you have and all that you earn and all that you're given? What is the first fruit? What happens? Well, it's really not about money. Yes, there's money involved because we don't carry sacks of grain to church or to the store or to buy a new car. We don't walk in with stacks of grain and, and give them so many bags of wheat for the car. We change our our work into money and then we take that money and we buy whatever we need. And so, yes, the first fruits does involve money today, as it always has. But let's be clear tithe and first fruits are not really about money at all, it's about your relationship with God, it's about opening a gateway, a spiritual gateway that will allow God to enter into your life and begin to bless what you have. Now, it's first fruits. And I learned very early as a child that before I spent my 25 cents, Five cents I gave to God. That was my first fruit offering. Now, I didn't go to the candy shop and spend my 20 cents before I gave my nickel. Why? Well, because the first fruit, the first portion you give to God. And as you give that first portion to God, that allows him to enter into your life and begin to bless the 90% that is remaining. Now, let's say you sit down and you do your bills. And then 
there's enough money left to give your tithe. And so you write a check to your church or to wherever you receive your spiritual direction. You write that check to them. Well, who did you write your first check to? You write it to your mortgage company or your landlord? Then you gave them the first portion. And symbolically you are saying, my house mortgage or my car payment or whoever you wrote the first check to is more important than God. And you gave God what was left. Maybe it was 10%, but you still gave him what was left. Please, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about something that is spiritual and real. I know one person who every week about the same time will send a sum of money to the church. I'm very grateful that this person chooses to do this. But I'm also very concerned for them because I know that is not the first place they pay. And so they are giving their blessing to their landlord or to their utility bill or to their car payment. And your car payment can't bless the remaining 90%. Your mortgage company can't bless the remaining 90%. You give the first to God because he's the one who comes then and blesses all that remains. I've experienced this time after time after time. He is always faithful. I've watched my dad go out and pray for his garden and claim the promises of Malachi that the canker worm will not destroy his field. I've watched my father stand on the promises and I've watched God answer and honor his prayer because he always brought the first fruit before the Lord. And that opened a spiritual gateway where God could step in If you give God the last part, yes, you've obeyed, but you will not receive the blessing. Now, please understand, there are principles at work that are always going to function. And when you give God the first portion, you've opened a spiritual gateway that allows God to step in. Now, let's establish this on a spiritual basis so that you can truly understand what I'm talking about. When you go to Genesis 1-1, what does it say? In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. When you go to the Ten Commandments, what is the first commandment? You remember? The first commandment is very clear. Thou shalt have 
no other gods before me or beside me. In other words, there is a basic principle that we have to establish if we want God's blessing, and it's a fundamental principle. Whether we're talking about eternal salvation, overcoming sin, whether we're talking about the 10% tithe or the 20%, or as my father did, 50%, if we're talking about spiritual realities that affect the physical body, that affect our daily lives, the Lord God of heaven has said, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. In other words, God owns you. He owns the world. It's like the man who said, I don't need God to create. I'm the creator. And the Christian said, oh, okay. I'll join you if you can create something. Well, he tried to use some metal to create something. And the Christian said, sorry, God made that metal. He tried to use some other mixtures and and the Christian said, I'm sorry. God made those. You see, there's nothing we can touch in this world that God did not create. He created the heavens and the earth and all that in them is. So this fundamental principle of reality is that in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. And then comes the command Thou shalt have no other gods before me. In other words, I'm first. Now, the first fruits is simply a recognition that God is the creator. The first fruits is a recognition that I am to have no other gods before him, especially mammon, especially money. Now, money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil because it's the worshiping of another God. So when we come to this issue, let's be very clear. There is only one response that would be appropriate for me to have in the recognition that God created the heaven and earth and not only did he create the heaven and earth, he then said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. I'm first. And he is because he's the creator God. Do you understand? If he's the creator God, then all I can do before him is lift my hands in recognition of his majesty and worship him. All I can do is lift my hands before the Almighty God and say, Oh, Jesus, I am yours. Do you understand? Jesus was God's best. Jesus was God's, was God's son. And he gave him as a first fruit offering for our salvation. <laughs> 
And so God comes and he says, bring your first fruit. Bring it to me. Now he's not just talking about money. He's talking about your emotions. He's talking about what you own, your car, your house, your, quote, stuff. It all belongs to God. Now, there are those who say, oh, I don't believe in tithing. And in the New Testament, it talks about giving generously. Yes, it does. Because in the New Testament, the principle is given to us that all that we possess belongs to God. But God asks for the tithe because when we recognize him in that way, number one, it disciplines our hearts and it gives us the certainty of who rules in our hearts. It opens the spiritual gateway for God to begin to move into our lives and form us in his image. If I give in the recognition that everything that I possess belongs to God, and so I'll give as I'm prompted, I'll give as I choose, it's very, very slippery slope. It's very easy in that setting to say, I'll write my rent check, my mortgage check first. I'll write my car. I'll write the necessities of my life. And I'll give God what I can give him when I can give it to him. Because it all belongs to him anyway. Oh, that's a wicked heart, my brother. That's a wicked heart. Do you understand? Now, there is a a story in the Old Testament. I'm hoping I have time yet to tell you this story. It It is an astonishing story. It tests us to the very nth degree. Elijah had gone before King Ahab, risking his life, and had announced that there would be neither dew nor rain in the next few years, and it ended up being a full three years. And there was starvation because of this. People died because of this. But it was the only way God could get their attention. And immediately after he made this announcement, he walked out. They sat in stunned silence. And then Ahab commanded his soldiers, go after him. But already Elijah had been hidden by the Lord. The Lord sent him to a place no one would have looked for him and no one would have suspected, to the Kirith Ravine east of the Jordan, and that's where he stayed. And the Lord sent ravens to bring him bread and meat in the morning and bread and the meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. 
I've sometimes laughed about this and said, I wonder if God sent the ravens to fly in through an open window and steal food from the kitchen or even from the table of the king. I don't know where they got the food, but they brought it. And you can see the birds coming in and dropping the food, and he's trying to catch it before it hits the ground. I'm sure he laughed at those ravens. I would have. They were certainly doing what they didn't want to do, except the master of the universe had told them to do it. Now, as he sat there day after day by the Kirith, he saw that it was slowly drying up. Now, can you imagine yourself sitting beside that that creek and day after day watching it dry up and wondering, one morning I'm going to get up and there will be no water. And that's what happened. The brook dried up because there had been absolutely no rain. And when the brook dried up, not before, after it dried up, that morning as he sat there thirsty, waiting on God, the word of the Lord came to him and said, Go to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. This was Jezebel's home territory. No one would look for him in Jezebel's hometown. The Lord said, I commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. I'm reading from First Kings, the 17th chapter. He called to her and he asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? Oh, that was asking everything. Water was scarce. Some wells were still functioning. She immediately left to go get him a drink of water. But before she got very far, he called after her. And please, bring me a piece of bread. She turned and she called back to him, As surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and then die. This woman was hungry. Her son was hungry. And they knew that they faced imminent death because there was no food for them. They had watched as others had died, I'm sure. And now it was their turn. They had no provision. Now, she recognized Elijah as being a man of the Israel. How? Well, it was his garment. He wore camel hair garment. Uncomfortable and itchy, I'm sure. But he was dressed as the Old Testament prophets were dressed. It was like he was wearing a collar turned around. She recognized that he was a man of God. Now, I don't know exactly what she thought of this God of heaven, but she knew 
She'd heard that Elijah had gone before King Ahab. Everybody knew that this prophet of God had stopped up the sky, and that's why there was such a famine and there was no rain. She knows that she's at the point of death. She is weak. She's probably very, very thin. She and her son are going to die. And Elijah says to her, don't be afraid. She's terrified. She's facing death. And Elijah says, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. He is asking her to participate in first fruits. He is asking her to put the God of heaven ahead of her own starvation. Now she faces a most difficult task. Shall she give to this man all that she has, this man of God? Shall she give to him all that she has and face death even sooner? Or shall she give to him what he has asked for? For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. So now she's faced with this very difficult decision, and some of you listening to this broadcast say, Pastor, I don't have enough money to pay all of my bills. I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul. And you're saying to me that I should give a 10% tithe first to God. As one man said to me, Pastor, if I give a tithe, I simply lack that much money and God's not going to do anything about it. Wrong. Wrong. If you do not pay your first fruits to God, if you do not give to him the tithe... If you do not give to God your offering first, the doorway of God's blessing in your life is sealed shut. Some of you are deep in debt, and you say, Pastor, I can't afford to do this. I would say to you, you cannot afford not to do this. And it all comes back to this fundamental question. Who created the heavens and the earth? Who said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me? Is your survival your God? Is your mortgage payment? Is your rent payment? Is your car payment? Are these things, these utility bills, are they first before God? If they are first before God... If your debt is first before God, then you are responsible for them. But if you do as I have done, and you lay before God all that you owe, and you repent of going into that debt because of your own pride, 
your own desire for your lifestyle. If you will lay that before the God of heaven and you will repent of entering into that debt and you will covenant with him that you will bring to him the first fruits, the best fruits of your labor and you will place that in his hands then you will open a spiritual doorway where he can enter into your life and begin to transform not just your finances but your relationship with him it matters whether you give it as a first fruit or a last fruit or a middle fruit wherever you place your first fruit is where you're saying your heart is it's what you worship it's what you believe will keep you safe and Elijah is saying give to me as a man of God the first fruit to this widow of Zarephath a pagan woman and if you will do this The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. The word of the Lord came very clearly. She opened that doorway of blessing, that spiritual doorway where she said, the God of Israel rules. But now watch. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. And she said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? This thing of, of giving you food, it's not working. My son has died. Verse 19, this is First Kings 17, verse 19. Give me your son. So now, not only is God saying to her, look, give me the little bit of oil and flour. Make me a cake. I want the first fruit from you. But now, it's her son. And the Lord is saying, Give me your son. Give me your son. So he took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on the bed. 
And he cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought tragedy upon this widow I'm staying with by causing her son to to die? And then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's cry. Remember, there was a door open, a spiritual door. The boy's life returned to him. And he lived. And Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. I want you to test what I've been saying to you today. I want you to test it. I want you to see if God is faithful. If you will open that door, that gateway of spiritual life, by making God first in your life, before the desires of your heart, before your relationships. If you will make God first before everything, if you will let him be the Lord God of your life by giving to him the first fruits, the tithe, and recognizing that it is not futile to serve God and it is not casual, This is the only time I know of in all of Scripture when God addresses this question of testing him. Normally, the Lord is angered by our testing him because it is a sign of unbelief, of hardness of heart. But listen to Malachi. I'm going to read to you chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. He's talking here about much more than money. He's talking about your happiness, your health. He's talking here about your well-being. He's talking here about the love of your life, your children, your wife, your husband. He says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all of the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land says the Lord Almighty. Now this whole book of Malachi is written some 400 years before Jesus comes as a babe in Bethlehem. It truly is the bridge between the Old and the New Covenant. Both Old and New Covenants have the same God. You'll find in 
Colossians, the first chapter, Hebrews, the first chapter, the Gospel of John, the first chapter. It is Jesus who was the Creator God. It is Jesus who stood on Mount Sinai. It is Jesus who established the Old Covenant as a pictorial diagram of what He would do for the salvation of mankind. Don't tell me that the Old Covenant is is no longer something we should read or study. The only Bible the apostles had, the only Bible Jesus had, was the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. So the principles I've been speaking about today are abundantly evident also throughout the New Testament. He brings seed for the sower. He expands our seed when we give. The problem we have in the New Testament is that everything belongs to God, and when everything belongs to God, to a lukewarm Christian, nothing belongs to God. The lukewarm Christian belongs to himself. And he gives as he feels he wants to give. I love those of you who consistently, every month, give your tithe. Because this is the broadcast that teaches you the way of life. And you've come to that conclusion and so you give on a regular basis. Some of you are impulse givers. You'll give as you feel maybe you want to keep the broadcast on the air and you're afraid it might go off and so you'll give. And thank you. Thank you. We would not be on the air if you didn't give. But I'm trying to open to you today a principle, a gateway for God's blessing to flow into your life where you offer him the very best You offer to God first what is due Him. He is the Creator God. He is the Redeeming God. And we should have no other gods before Him, especially materialism, money, pleasure. Frankly, All I can do in my heart and my mind is come before Jesus and repent of my selfish heart and totally give myself to him. (laughs) I was talking yesterday with Tom Mostert, who is the wonderful manager of WAVA, and I was asking him if he would watch carefully for an opening for Pilgrim's Progress on the FM band. And I said, I'm praying for a specific time. And he wrote back, He texts me back and he said, 
It's in Jesus' hands. I'll do exactly what he tells me. And I wrote back and I said, Amen and Amen. I know it's Jesus who will order the work of his gospel. I know it's Jesus who moves in your heart to give. I know it's Jesus who directs the steps of my life, the relationships I have with people, my health, my strength, my plans for tomorrow. I don't make plans without prayer. And I don't make plans without totally submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't buy things without first praying and asking the Lord what his will is. Very quickly, he'll make it evident to me. So, I had a question yesterday about a financial issue. And I took it to the Lord. And the Lord answered me and said, No, don't move forward with that yet. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. You're in charge. I'm not. So I come telling you, I have a spiritual door open that allows Jesus to enter into my life because all that I have, I've given to him. I honor him by giving the first fruit of everything that I received. And I honor him by giving all that I have, time, energy, money, friendships. I trust Jesus to manage my life. Literally, what I'm saying to you is, look, lift your hands before God and say to him, Jesus, I am yours. And I am going to rest in you and allow you to control every aspect of my life. I am yours. And I'm going to wait before you I'm going to read the scriptures. I'm going to pray. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to rest in you, Jesus. Now, there are things I'm crying out to Jesus about. I'm crying out for the fullness of power for revival in Washington, D.C. It's not in my power to bring revival to this nation's capital but it is in my power to go before the Lord and lay this request out before him and ask him to come in mighty power to turn the heart of this nation back to Jesus. So I wait on him and I trust him. Now, the result of this is that he provides for me my food, my shelter, my transportation, the result of this position is that God flows, granting peace and rest in my heart so that I'm not anxious about anything. I rest in him. I pray. I pray with, with friends, 
and I pray by myself. I am given to him. Would you today make a decision? Would you open that gateway, that spiritual gateway, by taking concrete action to make God first and to submit to him and to bring to him the first fruits of everything you receive? Test God and see what he'll do for you. Well, that's all the time we have for Pilgrim's Progress today. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go online to nationalprayerchapel.com and you can find there the broadcast from today. It'll be uploaded tonight, both in YouTube and also in podcast. Go and listen again. And also, you can give online. Thank you, my brother and my sister, for walking with me. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Jesus Christ, our